Hi, this is Steve Kelly. Thanks for tuning in for the podcast of this week's Saturday Sports Talk program with Lauren Tate and myself. And a special thanks to the folks at Kirby Wealth Management Group for their sponsorship of the podcast. We hope you enjoy Saturday Sports Talk. When it comes to financial planning, most financial companies focus on your income. At Kirby Wealth Management Group, we focus on your outcome. That's why we know what it takes to succeed both on your balance sheet and in your life. It takes the right financial partner who looks at where you are now, where you want to go, and designs a financial plan to take you there. We're here to help you achieve the life that you're after, today and every day after. Focus on your financial outcome with Kirby Wealth Management Group. To get started, visit our website at justin-kirby.com. It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area and national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the program, another edition of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with you until... 11 o'clock today with an open phone line, 217-356-9397. Mr. Tate, how are you? How are you, Stevie? I'm good. My sources indicate, I have sources all over town. Okay. My sources indicate uh, that you, along with our producer, Dave Leak, were dancing in the streets That's of true. downtown Champaign. That's true. I don't know. Well, I was going to dance, but but they ran out of songs. So I I, <laughs> what I don't know and don't care to know <laughs> is whether you two guys were dancing together. No, no, no. No, but we had a good time last night. Well, down, well, music down, outside? Down Friday Night Live. Is that what they call that, Friday Night Live? Yeah, they had, they had a lot of bands down there and a lot of, lot of excitement and a lot of fun. Didn't stay a lot out. of bubbles. Boy, they were th- somebody was really flipping the bubbles up in the air. Amazing. Didn't stay out too late, did you? No, no. No, I was one of the first to retreat. I didn't have a chair, so <laughs> I was getting worn out. <laughs> Don't you you always, take a chair with you for those events. Well, you take a chair, chair to the driving range of the golf course. You I didn't do. have it in your car. I do. I sit there and read on my on my phone and <laughs> take my time. Major League Baseball back in action last night. Uh, Cincinnati beat St. Louis 9-5 to over oh, in the Queen City. Oh, wait a minute. Did you ever see anything like that yesterday? I'm getting to that. Man, oh, man. 28 points. How about that, Steve? 28 runs for uh, Toronto, beating Boston 28-5. to at Fenway Park, that game included an inside-the-park Grand Slam home run. Yeah, center fielder just lost it, huh? Yeah. He didn't even chase it, did he? Well, it, <laughs> he, he came in, the ball was well over his head, and landed at the base of the wall. But yeah. by that time, it was a little bit too late. Yeah, left fielder picked it up. I mean, he was closer to it than he was by the time it landed. But. The Cubs put some runs up themselves, 15-2 to two over the Phillies. That was after uh, Schwarber hit the first pitch of the ball game. How do you explain... All this time off, the pitchers were well rested, and I looked. I looked at the scores, and you, you mentioned the twenty-eight and the fifteen by the Cubs, and then Miami, Atlanta, Cleveland all had eight. Arizona had ten. Cincinnati had nine. I mean, that's a lot of runs with fresh pitchers. Yeah, Schwarber. I said they hit the first pitch of the ball game. He actually hit the first pitch, at the bottom of the first. But mm-hmm. uh, 
The Cubs won 15 to two there. Schwarber was looking for that stroke when he when he lost to Pujols in the home run derby. <laughs> yeah, he might have taken it easy on the old guy. You think? I think he got frustrated. I think the pitcher was throwing too many pitches on the outside part of the plate for him. Maybe. I mean, you know, that's hitting home runs in that derby is is crucial to have a a pitcher that throws it on the inside corner so you can pull it. Yeah, you got to have a guy put it right where you want it. That's exactly right. Uh, the White Sox lost to uh, Cleveland. I still wrote down Indians. Uh, how long am I going to be doing that? Can't do that. I uh, know. I wrote it down, but I you didn't say it. You know what I did? I, I wrote down Braves. I wrote down Mets, and I wrote down Cleveland. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I should use. Should do. Cleveland beat the White Sox eight to two. By the way, Milwaukee won against Colorado. Extra innings in thirteen innings, six to five. So the Cardinals are. If you're still following that, the Cardinals are a game and a half behind. But uh, Adam Wainwright has trouble winning not only in Cincinnati, but against the Reds in general for some reason. Well, they, they got on him last night with a homer and a big double. And so uh, the Cardinals, are, they've got to find – I just don't know how they're going to get that starting rotation resolved if they don't make a trade. And it's getting late uh, in the trade period. We have about two weeks here. Uh, August 2nd is the uh, – trade deadline, so a lot should be happening. There's a lot of talk about uh, Juan Soto and where he might end up. And yeah. uh, the, the Cardinals certainly uh, appear to have at least uh, kicked the tires on that, and what it would take, we'll have to wait and see. What it would take for anybody. Yeah, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a major trade. You're going to have to give up something. Yep. Here's our guest uh, list for today. We're going to kick things off with Adam Rittenberg from uh, ESPN.com. Cam Cox, who uh, works the NIL side of things for the University of Illinois, will join us at 9.30. Illini ticket manager uh, Jason Hegemeyer at 10 o'clock. And then at 10.30, Scott Ritchie will be in from uh, the News Gazette to talk some Illinois football and basketball. But we say good morning to Adam Rittenberg. How are you, Adam? Hey, good morning, guys. Hope you're doing well. Good. Uh, you doing okay? You, are you getting a normal summer, or is there such a thing anymore? Yeah, it really isn't such a thing. Um yeah, you obviously got a little time off, but it's it's uh, it's a very when realignment is active, it's very very difficult for things to ever completely quiet down. And um, you know, I get we thought realignment might be uh, you know quieter, and then obviously it changed with the Big Ten adding the LA schools, and you know I I hear that there could be more coming in August. So it's um it's a very dynamic time, and uh, as you guys know, this has become much more of a year-round sport to cover. There used to be pretty big gaps in the calendar that not a whole lot was going on, but that's not the case anymore. Your thoughts on uh, the L.A. schools coming to the Big Ten? Yeah, I mean, again, I, I think there's a couple ways to look at it. I, I think it's in some ways a no-brainer because um, you're in the middle of a television rights negotiation, and this undoubtedly helps the Big Ten. Um, you know, they'll be the only conference that will have uh, games in the four major television windows. You know, talking about, you know, noon Eastern, 3.30, uh, you know, that night window around 7 or 8, and then certainly the late window um, at 10.30 Eastern, 9.30 Central. So that's uh, pretty good for, for the league. Um, you know, there's obviously some, some concerns as far as the Olympic sports and the overall travel and even, you know, football uh, teams going out late at night um, for, for football games. But uh, I think it's one of those situations, much like with the SEC, when you have schools that approach you, and um, especially when you're very close to the end of a of a negotiation that is transformative for the conference, hard to it's really hard to say no. And uh, especially when your rival conference has added and gotten stronger 
and you know the Big Ten, you know, it, it, Rutgers and Maryland are not are not needle moving additions. Um, Nebraska was at the time, but has not been anywhere near as as strong of an addition as we thought it would be. And so, you know, USC and UCLA, especially USC. I mean, you're adding one of the elite programs in college football. We'll see if they can get back there under Lincoln Riley. But uh, again, I understand the, the reasoning behind the the addition. Well, Adam, you, you piqued my interest when you said there may be something coming in August because August is just around the corner. And uh, I'm wondering, are, are you thinking about Washington moving at all, uh, Washington, Oregon maybe, or do you see those four Western teams in the Pac-12? they got to be nervous about if Washington moves, uh, they, they've got to jump to the Big 12, don't they? Well, right. I think it would be, you know, kind of the first, the first domino would, would most likely be um, Washington and Oregon, maybe Stanford, uh, maybe Cal, uh, looking at the Big Ten, and we'll see if the Big Ten wants to do anything um, in, in August. I think what's going to happen, Lauren, is you know, we'll have media days next week. We'll have the media rights agreement that's announced soon thereafter, and then there could be another uh, at least possible um, you know, a round of, of, of at least talks about realignment um, you know, with those schools being the, the primary. You know, what I hear from talking to sources is that you know, Big Ten – would only look at adding schools that are part of the um, AAU uh, mm-hmm. and you know, you, you know, UCLA and, U, and USC are uh, Oregon, Washington, Cal, and Stanford are. You know, other other. Interestingly enough, Notre Dame is not, but 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 you know, Notre Dame has always been on the Big Ten's radar at least the last you know thirty years or so. Um, but but I think Oregon in particular, I've heard, has been very aggressive in in, in making its interest clear that it would like to join the Big Ten. Uh, Washington. Has, has some good things going for it. You know, a really great academic school. They're in a major market in Seattle. They've had success in football. But, they, you know, they've kind of fallen off here recently. So, um, you know, I, I don't know exactly how the Big Ten looks at Washington, but I think they are seen as a, a solid, stable addition. Um, you know, at Stanford, I, I don't know how the, the Big Ten would look at Stanford. They, they obviously are also a rival with Notre Dame, like USC is. Uh, they have a great overall athletic program. What they don't have is a massive fan base, and you know you could say, oh, well, that brings in the Bay Area market. As a Bay Area native, I can tell you, Stanford football just doesn't matter a whole lot in the Bay Area. So mm-hmm. it's not like you're really bringing in the market. But what, 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 what the thing you are doing, if you were to add more uh, members from the West Coast, is that you, you'd have more options to play games in that late window. Um, so if you really want to be a league that is on television, you know, in the four major television windows on Saturdays. You know, by, if you only have two out there, uh, it's going to be challenging um, to figure that out. If you have four or if you have six, um, you know, it, it changes things a little bit uh, as far as what you can do from a scheduling standpoint and a programming standpoint for football. So that's just something to keep in mind. I'm not saying the Big Ten is definitely going to do this. I'm not saying any of these schools are no-brainers because they're not. But I, I think as you're building out inventory, as you're building out your future, and you really want a West Coast presence, you know, maybe you look at adding more than just the L.A. market. Well, I can see where uh, Cal would satisfy, Cal Berkeley would satisfy uh, the governor of, of California who's concerned about, uh, you know, since uh, UCLA is part of that system and it's kind of leaving them in the way. And by the way, Cal's in terrible shape financially. I don't think the Big Ten would probably want them, but academically they would be tremendous. But uh I, I, the, the academics, but the AAU only comes into it, uh, Adam, after you've already decided this is the school you want. Now, are they in the AAU? And if they're not, you don't look at them. If they, if they are, then you would consider them seriously. Isn't that right? 
Well, yeah, it, it kind of just depends on who's really making the decision, and, and you probably get different opinions on that. I mean, it, 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 if some people are saying, well, the television's driving the bus, the, the television wouldn't want Cal or Stanford necessarily. Mm-hmm. But you know, ultimately, the ones who are signing off on this are university presidents who are mm-hmm. in the world of academia, and they, and they, and they do value the AAU membership. They do value the academic reputation of the school that they're adding. I, I can tell you they don't love the fact that Nebraska is no longer an AAU school. Mm-hmm. Um, they were at the time, and then they no longer are. And so that, that, that does matter for presidents. Um, is it enough to put a school over the top uh, versus, you know, hey, we're, we're okay standing pat where we are? I, I don't know. But I, I, think, I think it certainly works in the favor of schools like Cal and Stanford because neither school – uh, brings in a whole lot of, of, of real market buzz, uh, even though they're in a major market. Um, and, and like you said, Cal has had some real financial issues, as has UCLA. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I understand Governor Newsom's position of, of, well, what about Cal? Why, why did you do this behind uh, uh, the backs of Cal? Well, you look at UCLA's deficit. The LA Times reported this back in January. They've had a, a three-year deficit fiscal year of over $100 million. And so that's why they're making the move. It reminds me a lot of when Maryland joined the Big Ten, a charter member of the ACC leaving the ACC for the Big Ten because they were in terrible financial shape. They had to cut some sports programs. And UCLA, which has a great overall athletics tradition, they've been a massive underachiever in football. But as far as a school, as far as an athletic department, you look at the number of Olympians who have come out of there, all Americans in different sports, it's a great athletic program. And, and they were really in, 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 in a position where they, they probably would have to consider cutting sports if they didn't make a move like this to the Big Ten. Talking to Adam Rittenberg from ESPN.com. So do you think uh, Notre Dame is hell-bent on staying an independent? Well, I, I think that, that would be their preference. I mean, we've seen that over time. And, you know, Notre Dame is a school, and I've talked about this pretty much every day since the USC and UCLA expansion, that, that is okay leaving money on the table. You know, not every school is like that. We just talked about UCLA and, and how they needed money. Maryland needed money. You know, Notre Dame doesn't need money. Uh, they, they obviously want money, and they want to uh, support their programs and, and compete nationally. But you know, they, they, are a, uh, they are an athletic department that, that gets, uh, gets money from the university, and the university is doing really, really well. And so you know, they can afford to maybe not take the best financial deal as long as they can achieve all their other objectives. And so what I've been told, uh, even the other night talking to a high-level Big Ten source, is that you don't necessarily follow the money with Notre Dame. You follow, do they have access to the future college football playoffs? Do they have the same amount of power that they have right now in shaping the future college football playoff? I mean, remember that Jack Swarbrick, their athletic director, was, was one of the four uh, people that was involved in putting forth the 12-team playoff proposal. And so, you know, he has real power right now. Is that the case in the future? And then, um, you know, what does their schedule look like? Because one thing to keep in mind is that as these conferences get bigger and bigger, and if we're going to a a true super conference NFL-type model in college football, the the networks are not going to want to see non-conference games. They're going to want as many good games as possible. They're going to want the Big Ten to play 10 conference games. and They're going to want the SEC to sure – play more than eight conference games and so if Notre Dame doesn't have scheduling opportunities and they can't put together that national schedule that they covet so much um, maybe that's what motivates them to to join a conference more so than we're going to make this amount of more money because I I don't think that that has put them over the top in the past and you know they're in a pretty good position to to renegotiate their NBC deal they're going to get paid very well for, for, for that 
um, even though I think everyone would agree that they'd make more money being a member of the Big Ten, given what the payouts are going to be for every Big Ten school. Yeah, is that uh, is there an escalator on that $15 million? Is it up around 16 18 now uh, that they're getting from NBC? And when they do uh, renegotiate, do you see that thing jumping up into the 50s maybe? Well, I think there was a report. There were some reports recently that they could they could make you know seventy five million. Um, well, that's you know, an incredible jump. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a big jump. Uh, but but again, everyone's going to be making more. Um, if if you're a valuable uh, property to the to the to the media partners, and and, and I say television, I, I you know it's not everybody. There's obviously some streaming services that are negotiating with the Big Ten, Amazon, and Apple. They're going to continue to have, uh, I think, a bigger, bigger uh, uh, pieces of the of the live sports um, uh, uh, pie. And, uh, you know, I think Notre Dame is, is in line with their NBC deal coming up. I think it's three or four years um, to to make a lot more money, but they make even more in the Big Ten. I mean, that, that that's what's, what's pretty clear to me. Mm-hmm. Now, would they make more than everybody else? No, because that's not how the Big Ten works. And I think if, they, if, if, if they're going to come in demanding – uh, a, a higher revenue cut, um, that's just not going to happen in the Big Ten. Why would Ohio State or Michigan or Penn State uh, agree to that? So, or USC, for that matter. So I, I, you know, that, that, that's what they have to weigh. And that's why I think it's not so much a money decision as it is, can they still function independently like they, um, like they have for, for so many years and, and, and compete nationally when there just aren't going to be as many opportunities to play the schedule that they play? I mean, if Stanford and let's say Stanford and USC are both in the Big Ten, you know, th- those are their rivals. Mm-hmm. Are both teams going to play them every year? Um, maybe, may, 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 maybe it won't be every year. Is, is Ohio State? Uh, they, they have them the next two years, which is great. But are they going to play them every year? Probably not. Michigan. I mean, you go down the list. So who's Notre Dame going to play? Uh, you know, kind of who's left in the ACC? Some Big Twelve teams. You know, is, is that going to be exciting enough of a schedule? for them, uh, given their history and, and how much they want to play that kind of national schedule. Uh, Jim Phillips uh, mentioned the other day, he's the commissioner of the ACC, that uh, they'll do everything to try to straighten out these financial problems that they have and that uneven distribution was a consideration. Is that the third rail? I mean, does anybody dare go that uh, direction? If they start, where, do, where, where would it end? Right. Well, and, and who would and who would get more of the pie? I mean, that would be um, it would obviously create tension within the league. I mean, bottom line is Texas and Oklahoma had a, a larger cut of the Big Twelve revenue pie, and, and it didn't it didn't make a difference in the end. They still ended up leaving, uh, and they and they and they could have left for the Pac twelve way way back when. We forget mm-hmm. about that. So mm-hmm. I, I I understand the ACC. I mean, what the ACC ultimately needs is for is for ESPN to re, to reopen the negotiations. More in, in, in the realm of if we don't do this, it's going to be very hard for our conference to make it in, in the future. And obviously ESPN's invested in the ACC. They have the ACC network. They have rights to all the games. And they have a really you know, good deal for them. But it's not a great deal for the ACC. And so I think that's where the, uh, where the struggles lie for, for Jim Phillips. Uh, because unless Notre Dame were to join as a full member, which I, doesn't make a lot of sense to me, um, unless they add members that would allow them to re- to reopen their negotiation, they are really locked in, and those schools are locked in. But you know that those schools, if they could, would would, would strongly consider you know trying to get out, especially schools like Florida State, Miami, Clemson, you know North Carolina that have real brand value uh, and, and and could be appealing. I mean, North Carolina 
would be a great addition for the Big Ten. I mean, they, they fit a lot of what the Big Ten mm-hmm. wants as far yep. as a great academic school. It's where longtime commissioner Jim Delaney, was his alma mater, where he played basketball. I mean, you know, they, they, they even came up, Lauren, you'll remember this, they even came up as a, an option back in 2010 when right. Nebraska came in. You know, schools like North Carolina, Georgia Tech, you know, these elite <laughs> academic schools in the ACC. Another minute or two with Adam Rittenberg. Uh, five weeks from today, Illinois opens the season against Wyoming. Brett Bielma's second year in Champaign-Urbana. He was uh, a game away from being uh, bowl eligible last year at 5-7. and seven. Your thoughts on his team, the Illini team, heading into his second year? Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see if they can, you know, match or, or exceed what they did last season, you know, because one, we, we, you know, one thing that came up midseason were, were Brett's comments about the roster, and I know he he kind of uh, you know took some heat for those, but I think there was some truth in what he was saying as far as the um, you know the just, just just having a lot of seniors, having some good players, and then and then not 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 necessarily having the depth behind them. Now they they did keep some of, of those players, and um, I think they have some interesting pieces uh, coming back um, from from last year's team. It's just sometimes hard to replicate that, uh, you know, year after year. Wyoming will be a, a good first uh, game for them. You know, it's a team that, that, that is capable of, of winning in Champaign, but a team that Illinois probably should beat. And you get off to a good start like they did last year with the win over Nebraska. And, and then you really create that, that belief um, that, that, hey, we, our, our next step is to, is, to, is to be in a bowl game. And, 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 you know, some people might say, well, that's not that great of a goal. Well, for Illinois, it is a great goal because they haven't had that consistency over time. So, you know, making a bowl game this year in year two after some really encouraging performances. I mean, think about it, guys. Just for, for Illinois to beat Nebraska, Penn State, and Minnesota last year, um, that's a really good starting point. Now, can you build on that, or is it going to be a step backward before you can go forward? I, I fully believe Brett will be making bowl games at Illinois and having success on a regular basis, but... Uh, can they can they do that this year? That's what I'm uh, maybe a little bit uh, wait and see on. One last question for me. I I, I was shocked uh, to see that uh, Ohio State is a 14 and a half point favorite over Notre Dame in the opening game. Does that make sense to you? Is 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 has Notre Dame, well, of course, new coach, and Ohio State's got a lot of people back, but that's a lot of points. It is, but but I, I really think Lauren, if, if healthy, Ohio State will be the best offense in the country. They have the best quarterback receiver combination in the country with C.J. Stroud and Jackson Jackson Smith and Jigba. They're incredibly deep at receiver. They bring back a, a couple of NFL caliber linemen. They're they're very deep at running back, and there's just no weakness on the offense. And while Notre Dame uh, has has a, a good group coming back on defense, they they also lose. Some, some key pieces, and I just don't know if they're going to be able to keep up with them in the secondary. The other thing to keep in mind is that you know, Ohio State's defense is about as bad as it could be for stretches of last year. I think they're going to be better. Jim Knowles is a really good hire as a coordinator and had, had, you had success at Oklahoma State, really changed the way that they played football there. So I, I think it'll be more about good Ohio State than, than bad Notre Dame, although I just don't think Notre Dame this year – guys is going to be a, a real national contender. I think if Notre Dame can get near 10 wins, it'll be a really big accomplishment for Marcus Freeman. I think that their, their future is really bright with the way they're recruiting, but I don't think this year's team is going to be one that we're talking about for the CFP. That's Adam Rittenberg from ESPN.com, covers college football, senior writer there. We appreciate your time this morning. Thank you. Thank you, guys. See you soon. Thanks. You Thanks, bet. Adam. It is 923. We'll take a timeout. We're off and rolling. On Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with the phone line open, 217-356-9397. Back with more after this.
The Fellow Window Showroom in Champaign specializes in windows and doors. Illini Pella can help you select the right window and door for your project, whether it's for replacements, remodeling, or new construction. Right now, they ask that you plan further ahead to allow more time to get your windows and doors in stock. Labor and material shortages are causing some extended lead times. Illini Pella, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. PellaofChampaign.com. It is 9.25, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. What's on your mind this morning? 217-356-9397. Our text line, the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, open as well, 217-351-5357. Got a couple of uh, text questions. One is how much is the payout from making the Bowl Championship Series and is the entire payout going to the conference or how is it distributed? Well, each conference receives $6 million from the college football playoff for each team selected for the four, uh, of each of the four for the semifinals. And uh, beyond that, I, I mean, you get more money if you're in it, obviously, because they have to uh, they have expenses. Uh, and, and yet it, there is a distribution for the conference. But uh, I, I, when I see this $6 million, I know that they talk about the 12-team playoff. I think I read the other day where there's something like $14 million involved in that as opposed to $6 million in this one. But that's for each team. So if you have a, if, if you have a team in it, all the conference gets a, a distribution. If, you, if you're the Pac-12, for instance, Pac-10 or 12, whatever they are, uh, they wouldn't get a distribution, in my, in my understanding of this, if they don't have a team in it. Okay. Another text question. Um Regarding Illinois football and the schedule, you heard Adam Rittenberg say that, uh, you know, Illinois got those what you would call signature wins last year at mm-hmm. Penn State and, and Minnesota and Nebraska. Who's going to be the signature win this year? And then they're going to need one or two of those. Well, you can't lose to the Rutgers and the Maryland exactly. like they did last year. That's they don't exactly play them right. this year. They play Michigan and Michigan State instead. So you may be in trouble there. And they lost to the Purdue game a really that, tough schedule. that they could have won last year. Oh, yeah. That that 14-9 game, Illinois was leading right at, right at the end and then. O'Connell came in and threw that touchdown pass. He threw an interception, and then he threw the touchdown pass to win the game. And Illinois came back and had first and 10, as I recall, on the 21-yard line of Purdue with a chance to win the game, and I don't, couldn't make a first down even. Well, that Purdue game was big as well, but the uh, home loss to Maryland was uh, was certainly a factor. But the point is, the point is there, um, you're going to have to knock off at some point. To get to a bowl game, you're going to have to, to beat a Wisconsin and an Iowa. Teams Illinois, like that, Michigan Illinois State. Is basically going to be an underdog in most games. Yeah. Even at Indiana in the second game of the season, based on what we know now, that may change if Illinois looks real good in the Wyoming game. Maybe that would change. But uh, right now, Indiana would be a slight favorite. And, of course, Virginia based on last year's game, would be a slight favorite here, I imagine. But by the time you play, you never know. I mean, the games that you play ahead of there uh, can change the, the spread. Here's another text, a baseball question. Okay. Cardinal question for you. The Cardinals desperately need starting pitching. No kidding. No, uh, not breaking news there. But with that said, this texter says, uh, no way on earth they should bother with Soto in that regard. I don't think that I I think they should spend their money in other in other ways. Uh, you've got to have pitching to be successful. Their pitching right now 
is is not good enough to even make the playoffs in the second half of the season based on what I see. They need help. And they're starting a guy tonight, Stephen Matz, who don't know what you're going to get with him. Well, he can was you get guy five innings up. out of him? Can you get four or five innings out of him? He was a guy they picked up in the offseason as a crafty lefty, so to speak, and yeah. uh, he's had yeah. some injury issues. So we'll see. Moving up on 930, we're going to talk with Cam Cox about NIL issues. If you have any questions there, the phone line will remain open. We'll take a break here on the Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, and we're back with more after this. Nine thirty-one, the Lion Ipella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly, and we're with you as always until eleven o'clock. Phone line open two one seven three five six nine three nine seven. A couple of uh, text messages uh, to get to before we introduce our next guest. One says, "With adding UCLA and USC, do you think a school like Northwestern might leave because of the?" Difficulty of uh, competing. I can give you a hundred percent answer. <laughs> no. <laughs> In one word, no. Um, Illinois is, according to this texture, a five and a half point underdog in Indiana right now. Mm-hmm. That yeah. that's likely or could change a little yeah, bit. I, I heard it was six, and I but that that could change after the Wyoming game. We we got a week zero game that can change that. That's true. But Can't, I think they're going to Indiana. You know. Nobody knows what to expect from Indiana. They, they were going to be great last year, and they kind of collapsed. Maybe they can bounce back, but they, they looked pretty good going into last season, and that was a huge disappointment. They'll have a little bit of an advantage. They'll be in a situation where they can see what Illinois does in that first game before mm-hmm. they have to play them, and yeah. Illinois won't but, have that same. But you always, you always play better football the second game. I understand that. I think. <laughs> and you always don't roll everything out that's in your playbook in the first game either. Well, that's regardless. true, but uh, yeah, okay, but you got to win the game. <laughs> that's, that'll be the most important thing is just beat Wyoming somehow, and, and Illinois will be a favorite in that game, and I, I don't think Wyoming's coming back with one of their better teams or anything like that. They I, were 7-6 and six last year. They, they played <laughs> and won a bowl game. Mm-hmm. Um, but they lost heavily. They did. They had a high-powered offense last year, but a lot of those guys are gone. Cam Cox is with us in the studio from uh, the University of Illinois, NIL director. That's kind of the short uh, title to, for Cam Cox. How are you doing this morning, my friend? Doing well, doing well. Thanks for having me again, Stephen Lauren. Always appreciate it. I always, I, I thought that uh, just about a little over a year out now from uh, the beginning of NIL, we'd check in with you and see how things have changed, how the landscape has changed in that last year. Well, the landscape has changed a good bit. I think for us, as we look at it, NIL is still kind of number one. I mean, there has been a lot of opportunity that has presented itself over the past year, but we look at NIL as really right there at the top in terms of how do we kind of gain a competitive advantage and how do we increase the student-athlete experience and all the good stuff that we get up and go to work for every day. You feel that uh, Illinois still one of the leaders in that area or do you have time to really look around to see what how everybody else is doing I do and and you know NIL is kind of the next big competitive frontier and so I spend a significant amount of time looking around at what other people are doing I'll say you know in year one I do feel we were one of the leaders I do feel that we were good um, but our goal really isn't to be good it's to be the absolute best in the country Um, and I think that we can get there in year two obviously it's going to take a, a collective effort uh, pun intended, um, but it it will um, it will happen. I think our our goals are are high, but I think they're achievable. Um, How has it changed for you in the last year in terms of what you can do uh, 
I know when you started out, you couldn't. You basically had to stand back and just let things happen. But now, can't you uh, participate and and help the student athletes get um, nil opportunities? That's right. So one of the big changes that's happened over the past year is that our state law has actually been amended to allow the institution to get more involved in really helping to broker NIL activities. I think one of the big things that we saw up front was there was an appetite from student athletes for us to get more involved. And instead of just saying, oh, um, here's an abstract thought or here's another abstract thought or you might want to do this, they wanted to say, no, Cam, what is your opinion? What should I do? Um, and, and I honestly wanted to be able to give that. And I think on the other side, from the market of brands and fans that wanted to kind of leverage student-athlete celebrity, they wanted us to be able to get involved too because it's also new. And so there was this real sense of, well, no one knows the rules. Who knows the rules? Well, I know the rules, and I, I, my hands were kind of tied behind my back. We were fortunate enough to work with the folks in Springfield to kind of give us a lot more flexibility. And so that's one of the reasons I'm really optimistic about year two. I saw what we did with year one, and that was when we were honestly at a tremendous disadvantage. Now that there's a level playing field and we can really kind of get into this thing and get after it, I'm really excited about the future. So you can actually talk to a, let's just say, a business about lining up a student? Can you do that? Yes, and that's one of the big differences because before, remember when we had um, the NIL open house about a year ago, we invited a lot of local businesses Uh into the Smith Center, and we kind of talked about, well, here are the rules, and here's Cam, and I can kind of tell you things that you might want to consider. Now you can call me and say, I'm looking for a soccer player to help me with a promotion during the first week of school. Who do you think would be a good person to do it? I can think in my Rolodex, there's about seven or eight. We have a really strong group of young ladies who play soccer. Um, And then depending on what your promotion is, I can basically reach out to them and say, this is what we should do. And I think that it might make sense to change the contract in this way. And well, she's free at that time. And well, the business is going to want this many posts and that kind of stuff. And we can kind of smash that together and make it happen. And we found that that's actually been very, very effective and very, very impactful. Because, again, people want us to do that. They don't really know who to use, and they don't really know when they're free. And the student-athletes, they're not as familiar with business people and business language. And so that's why I'm able to kind of play a key role right there in the middle. You're kind of the quarterback where you got to be able to call audibles, don't you? <laughs> you? You talked about not knowing what the rules were to begin with, and it seemed like every day would be an audible in your in your line of work. It, it is. I mean, there there. Are, if if I were, I will not consider myself to be any kind of quarterback. But if I were, I think I'd be a Peyton Manning, where I've got to call an audible basically every play and have a few plays when I get to the line. Omaha. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Omaha is my first statement when I get up there because every deal is different, every student athlete is different, every business is different, and so. What we're trying to do in these early days of NIL is make sure that we can come up with a system that really benefits everybody. Um, I think that our plans are to do that. I think we have a really good strategy around doing that. But now I think we can really activate it, particularly if we can get a lot more community support. Talk about Texas Tech and what they're doing. Yeah, so what Texas Tech is doing is through their – so I guess it's always important to say it's not Texas Tech University, but it's through the Matador Club, which is their – NIL collective, so the equivalent of the Illini Guardians, what they're doing is they've come up with deals to um, pay football student-athletes, 100 football student-athletes, so 85 scholarship guys and 15 eligible walk-ons, $25,000 a year um, for NIL activities. And the way that they're going to do that and the way they're funding that is largely behind subscription services. And so when I say I want to be the best and I think we can be the best, but it's going to take 
a collective effort, and, and I, I gave the pun to Steve, what I meant was it's the collective and people giving money to the collective that allows that to happen. When people make those contributions to the Matador Club, basically what they do is they put it all together in a big pot, and then they say, okay, where does it make sense to put the money? How does it make sense to help us? There's such an affinity down there, of course, for football. It's Texas. Um, and so they figured, hey, we'll start out with, with the football team, and that's that's basically what they're setting up. And then what's similar is I think in a lot of ways a copycat of what the Illini Guardians is doing is that their plan is in order to earn the $25,000, the football players are going to have to do community service events. Um, and so it should be pretty good. We're going to see what, what happens down there with it, and I think it's a it's a decent model. So they've got a pile of $2,500,000. That's right. That they're just going to give to the football team. This doesn't have anything to do with any other sport. And um, that some of those players are freshmen. To me, that's an inducement. Some of those people haven't even gotten I – mean, of the 100 players, maybe 20-some of them are, are freshmen. Right. Why isn't that an inducement? So an inducement would be a promise before you come. That's those what players. this is. <laughs> oh, but those players are already there. So that's the idea is that they have already, they are committed, they are on campus, they are practicing, okay. they are getting ready. All right. And then they said, oh, my gosh, what luck. I was able to get this $25,000. <laughs> um, I mean, and that's an important thing. I think that this is a key distinction. The difference between kind of an inducement and something that would attract a recruit is that an inducement is when you make a promise to a recruit. Something that will attract a recruit is when you do something for your current guys that – turns heads a little bit aren't they promising to do that again next year too well they'll have to raise a whole lot more money again yeah, <laughs> and so that's one of those things is i think that they would like to but they don't probably have enough money yet to promise that okay can you explain the process of how the student athletes actually get paid i mean do, do they get it's it's all a little bit different so it, it really these are third-party deals and so it, it's up to kind of the two parties Generally, student athletes like to get paid um, more so up front if they can, and generally businesses like to pay in installments, which is just a little bit easier from an accounting standpoint. Mm -hmm. um, and particularly when you look on the collective side from a fundraising standpoint, right, if you say, well, I have uh, $2.5 million worth of commitments for the year, well, you know, maybe somebody is going to get you in six months, maybe they'll get you in three months. If you had to pay it all up front, you'd have to have $2.5 million today, which is a lot harder. Um, and so usually it's some level of an installment. Um, sometimes it's two installments. Sometimes it's monthly installments. It's really just whatever um, the student athlete and the business kind of choose. Do they then get a 1099 form at the end of the year for tax purposes? They should. They yeah. should. As an independent contractor, basically. That's right? right. That's right. And so that's a big part of my job is educating on, hey, you're going to have to pay taxes. I promise you, you're not going to be able to get out of this. Um, Justin, and I'll say just as recently as last month, we had a tax-specific education session that our COO put on just for our football team to say, hey, look, this is stuff that we really want you to pay attention to. This isn't stuff that you can kind of blow off. We had about eight or nine slides, and I think that the guys really got something from it. If the only thing they got from it is, wait a minute, there's a whole lot of taxes, well, then we, we taught something. Before we get off to taxes, is there any part of their scholarship, and this scholarship's worth, I don't know, thirty, forty thousand dollars a year, yeah. Is any part of the, if you had if you add let's just say you pick up another fifty thousand in NIL, mm -hmm. does then part of that scholarship does that become taxable? So it's really complicated, and I, <laughs> I won't overcomplicate it for the audience. But the no, but because the scholarship, so the 
the total aid package that exists for student athletes actually comes from there's like athletic scholarships there's partly that are academic scholarships and then there are other kind of cost of attendance um like full cost of attendance stipends mm-hmm. parts of those things the extra parts those things can be taxable over a certain threshold. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about like the new the Austin Awards that we announced, the, mm-hmm. the fifty nine eighty things like that actually can become taxable over a certain threshold. Or things like yeah, if that, you get that's a why laptop, if, if a guy was making fifty or sixty or seventy thousand dollars in nil, then part of that would become tax. The uh, uh, but no none of the uh, actual uh, tuition or any of that. That's right. Yeah, like the foundation of that, which is you know kind of the, the tuition in exchange for kind of um, playing on the team, that part would not be taxable, but some of the extra stuff will. So I don't want to make it overly complicated, but there are some tax consequences yeah. at a certain point. So are you st- are you a one-man band in, in the office, or have you been able to uh, increase your staff at all? I'm a one-man band, and we're looking we're looking at that. We're looking across the country, and I think there, there's a question because for us, as, as much as I'm a one-man band, I'm able to work with the rest of the department really effectively. I think folks have really welcomed me here, and I've appreciated that, not just in the community where I say it a lot, but also internally, just in my day-to-day, at my job. Um, and so I think we're thinking, well, on one hand, we, we have the opportunity to kind of increase the band. On the other hand, it seems like there are folks who are willing to help the band out and you know help <laughs> out with instruments, so it's good. And the relationship with the Illini Guardians, is that growing? The relationship is growing. The relationship is good. Um, I, I'm excited about it. I think they have a lot of plans for year two as well. I won't, uh, I won't take too much of their thunder away, but I'll say look out for the Illini Guardians. They're, they're um, ready to make a few splashes in the water. Got any questions regarding NIL? Feel free to uh, give us a call, 217-356-9397. We're talking to Cam Cox. We'll take a quick timeout. I'll be back in a couple of minutes right here on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Continuing our NIL conversation with Cam Cox from the U of I, Steve Kelly, Lauren Tate, Illini Bella Saturday Sports Talk. Again, the phone line is open if you have any questions, 217-356-9397. With the big guy, Kofi, not around anymore as the most marketable Illinois athlete, I would say. Has anybody taken over that uh, position uh, in your mind yet, or would you make a prediction on who that might be? Well, I don't want to put pressure on anybody. There's only <laughs> one Kofi Coburn, a two-time All-American and everything else. Um, but no, I think there are a handful of folks who, who have an opportunity to do that. I mean, I think it's really about how much our student-athletes want to lean into it. Obviously, there's so much excitement around uh, Sky Clark showing up here, and Sky has a tremendous social media presence. And so I think he's got a real potential in this space to make a splash. But I wouldn't discount the value of some of the newcomers to the men's basketball team we think about tj shannon we think about matthew mayer those guys who maybe the fans aren't as familiar with just yet but will be here really soon i think obviously there's there's a a bit of a competition at quarterback i hear um (laughs) but you know i think about tommy devito who is also new and so there's this sense that we've got a lot of new folks around and i think that as fans get to know them as i have they'll realize these are really exceptional young men and and they'll be excited about hey maybe we should work with them maybe we do have another kofi with those student athletes coming in with all this out there as a possibility it might uh, uh induce them to take more business classes and more <laughs> marketing classes right i hope so i hope so i mean i truly we look at nil as is having a few different opportunities i think everybody wants to talk about the competitive advantage that it presents and that's obviously tremendous and really important but there's really, you know, a space for student athlete education. And people forget this sometimes, but 
I work as a part of an educational institution. And so my job is to mold young women and young men and get them ready for life after college. I think that NIL provides a second classroom and an opportunity for us to do that just because there's a new context. It's not as if I wasn't telling you about good social media habits before. or I wasn't teaching you about how to make a business or I couldn't have given you those uh, those tax pointers before, but you really didn't care because you didn't have any money. Now it's a little bit different. That might be a, a future class, NIL 101, right? <laughs> it might be. There's been a bunch of classes uh, popping up around the country and stuff like that. Uh, have you been able to see what uh, Northwestern is doing, what uh, Purdue, I hear uh, they've got their collective going now, Michigan, uh, are they behind? Um, I, you know, I, I won't comment and, and necessarily make the judgment call. I think I'll say we were ahead of the game. We kind of had a, a, our finger on the pulse and said, look, I mean, we think this is where something's going. Let's go ahead and pursue it. I also think that we had the personnel who was willing to lean into that, and that starts right there at the top. I think – Josh Whitman has always been particularly strong in his forethought and in his insights. We see that all the time when he'll say something and you'll say, man, that was spot on six months later. Um, and so I think we were just a little bit ahead of the game there. I never, um, you know, I, I, I think that we um, hear that there might be dissension on the team because this guy's getting more than that. I, it's never something that I ever, I mean, there's always, uh, there's always advantages one player has over another for one reason or another. It might not be money. It might be uh, maybe his style of play is more what the coach likes or whatever. But uh, you haven't seen any of that uh, pop up? I haven't. And I'll tell you, I get that question all the time. Like when I go around and every time I'm proud to answer it because I get to talk about how good our kids are. I mean, and I know I'm not supposed to call them kids, but we'll do it here with us, us three old guys in the room. Like, they just they know that hey look there's always going to be just to your point there's going to be some folks who are able to get more opportunity than others in a bunch of different stuff and they look at that as a challenge i mean student athletes are incredibly competitive young people and so they don't look at it as oh that's such a shame why are they getting that and i'm not they're looking at it as hey how can i get better what can i do and so we really haven't seen that descent. do you, do they know does each guy know what the other guy's getting i think that so there's no kind of formal way that they know but i think as guys talk they probably figure it out mm-hmm. um and and i think that's a part of it too right i mean it's, it's how we figured out anything as we grow up so you uh mentioned us three old guys we have three different uh, levels of old <laughs> in, in the studio you're not old I'm kind of old, and Lauren is in a class by himself. <laughs> I'm not asking any questions. I try to put us in the same class, and, you know, I, I try to be, be good on a Saturday morning. What are your thoughts? Here's from a text. What are your thoughts on multi-year contracts on some of these NIL offers? I think multi-year contracts can make some sense. I think it depends on the perspective of the person who has the money up front, right? So if you are – a company looking to deepen your relationship with a particular program, I think multi-year contracts make a ton of sense to say, I want to grab six guys on the tennis team and have them enter into multi-year contracts because I want people to associate me with the tennis roster. I think on the other hand, sometimes if you only want to support maybe one player through NIL, maybe a multi-year contract doesn't make as much sense because I'll tell you, most contracts, they can be extended relatively easily, right? So you can say, let's have a contract from I don't know, August to April, and then we can just restart it in April and make it go to the next April. That's not so hard. Um, so I, I think it's really uh, a matter of appetite, but I don't have strong feelings. Well, what uh, What is uh, inducement and what is not inducement? So 
An inducement is when someone goes to either a booster or a member of the institution would go to a recruit and say, if you come here, I promise that you will be able to get this amount of money X. Um, what is not an inducement is when they can say, people like you have made X at our school repeatedly. And so one of the interesting things is I think as NIL matures, the inducement space will probably go down a little bit because if you promise me an amount of money that I know no one has ever, ever made on your team, I would say, well, that doesn't make sense. Like you couldn't tell me that someone who plays my position has made you know a million dollars when I know that that's never happened. I'd say, well, that doesn't make sense. And even folks who are being promised things when the rules are being broken, the promise would hold no weight because you would know that it doesn't make sense. Four or five years from now, I don't think that there will be as much of a need for inducements because you'll be able to say, well, what did the running back make the year last year and the year before and the year before? And so then you can kind of come up with a general sense. I think that's how a lot of roles work, right? I mean, I think about roles in the athletic department. You show up and they say, okay, well, you'll make this, but there's no guarantee that you're going to be promoted in an amount of time. There's no guarantee that a promotion is going to come with a certain amount. None of that, but you can see what the trajectory might look like. The Brown twins are from uh, Canada. That's right. Has that had any impact on their ability to earn money in the United States? It has. So our visa laws are really complex, um, and I've, I've had the pleasure of doing some digging into this fairly recently, but because of our visa restrictions against work, student-athletes who are here on student visas, which is the overwhelming majority of our international student-athletes and students generally at the university, um, they're not able to do the activities that we associate with NIL. What is good is that when they're out of the country, that visa status isn't being used. And so Chase and Sydney were very public about saying, hey, when we leave here, we would like to do NIL activities. And they were in Canada for a while back over the summer, and they were able to take advantage of that. And so I was really proud of them. Honestly, I wanted to, to point this out when I talk about how great our kids are. Chase and Sydney have been all over this issue from the beginning and repeatedly have been told no, no, no. And they never, ever kind of wavered in their positivity. They never gave up. And they, they kind of took the opportunity that they were given once they got back to Canada, and they were able to really make the most of it. I'm really proud of them for that. You mentioned transfers, and that certainly is a big thing today. And Illinois basketball has some transfers coming in. When a transfer, especially a guy like Matthew Meyer or T.J. Shannon, who have been around the block, so to speak, they've played in college, when they are considering Illinois or any other college, it doesn't really matter, mm-hmm. who who talks to them about NIL opportunities? How is that negotiated? Who are they dealing with? So often I, I talk to them and I say, this is what we offer. This is why I think our NIL opportunities are better than other places. Usually the coaches give them some sort of prep because otherwise they'd say, who, who is this random guy coming <laughs> to talk to me? Um, and so there's some discussion there. And then they say, well, Cam's going to kind of tell you about what we've done. I mean, one of the best things about my role, honestly, is the success that we had in year one. So we brought up the big fella, and I'll, I'll tell people this isn't any summer secret. Being able to point to the success of Kofi allows me to say, hey, this is, in fact, possible here at the university. Can right? you tell us how much Kofi earned it before he left? I tell you, I won't do it. There's a, <laughs> I, will, I will not do it. Um, but, but it's an amount of money that, that I'm proud of and that Kofi was proud of. And it's, it's good, and it's something that we can say, hey, if you are a star, there is this level of support here, and we know it. That's totally different than an inducement where I'd say, hey, if you come here, I promise you'll make this. Because, again, there's only one Kofi. How can I even make that promise? Is the, uh, are the fundraisers, Milton, are they feeling any impact on this? 
No, the, not yet. I think we look at it as just another menu option, honestly. I mean, I think for us, it's always about how do we engage the community. And so that's through tickets and premium tickets. That's also through our iFund and iFund events. But now you've got this other piece where, hey, you can work directly with a student athlete. And people are excited about that. And so I think we haven't felt that squeeze just yet. We've been really collaborative in our efforts. I know folks across the country have been really, really worried about that. But because we've leaned into NIL here, we're not as concerned. How crucial in recruiting of the four- and five-star athletes is NIL? It's the number one thing. There's no question. Um, it, is, it is the number one thing. That's, that's, I want to say that emphatically, that being able to say, if you come here, you're going to have the ability to monetize your NIL in a special sort of way, and here's what's happening for our current guys, specifically current guys who play your position. There's nothing more powerful right now than that. And the transfer guys, I would guess in this, have a little bit of a leverage point or a leg up because the high school kid hasn't proven anything yet but they they still might have some of the same questions that's and that's right that's right I think that the transfer guys are interesting because they're a bit more proven on one hand but then on the other hand they're proven someplace else and so there's right. this question of well we don't we don't necessarily know how you'll fit in and, and you know that there are a lot of times making decisions on a compressed timeline that's the other thing so you think about someone in high school I mean they're they may be looking at the U of I for several years and, and communicating for our coaches in, in several channels as opposed to so when you go into the transfer portal it's really a quick process and so it's those questions are in some ways more pointed but in the other sense it's like well you know you got to pick something so as you outline your uh, your job as you look ahead and say okay here, here comes a new sports season what kind of goals do you have what and how different are they from what they were a year ago so I think a year ago, our plan was to establish a plan and make something that we can be proud of. What it looked like, we knew we didn't have the foresight to actually know, right? Like, we didn't anticipate the collective era. We didn't anticipate a lot of the stuff around group licensing. I thought that stuff may be years away. I'll say that I had a sense that something like collectives would probably emerge. My background kind of gave me a predisposition to thinking about what that structure might look like. I thought we were three or four years away from that as opposed to three or four months. Um, and the same thing happened with, with the group licensing pieces. We thought about, you know, the foundation of this stuff. When we think about Ed O'Bannon and other stuff was video games and jerseys and stuff. So it's like there's got to be some way to get that. I think now we can get a little bit more specific. We kind of have our three prongs. We're, we're about our competitive advantages, but we're also about student-athlete education. We're about community outreach. And so we have really defined plans about how we're going to improve our standing in all three of those. I'll say from the fan perspective and people listening, one of the big things is you're going to see our kids in the community more. That's that's something I'm really excited about. And, again, we have great young people who are a part of this program, and I'm really excited for them to actually – get to just get out there a little bit that's something that really didn't happen before I think the other thing is you're going to see things that are visible you're going to see some splashes and headlines and things that if you cheer on the Illini they're going to make you proud and make you uh, be able to brag a little bit you mentioned your background and your background is in law and that uh, I'm guessing is serving you pretty well in this uh, endeavor it helps out it helps out I think um, there's a value to being able to look at the contracts and say I've seen this before I think Really, it's about the confidence that the student-athletes have in me. They feel like, hey, this is somebody I know every day, I see every day, and somebody that I can trust. And by the way, hey, he's got some substantive skills too. Well, did the players actually bring contracts to you to study? Oh, all the time. All, all the time. time. That's mm-hmm. something that I do 
for all of the players, I'm very clear that that's something I will do to help them. I'm not their lawyer. Um, like, I don't represent them in that sense. But I answer really specific questions, and I'll tell them, well, this thing is set up this way, or, hey, I want to make sure you understand that. I'll say I had a conversation with one of the young ladies on our softball team. It was that Wednesday? She signed a contract. I thought the contract was fine, and she just wanted to kind of give let me give it the double check. And I said, this is okay, but I want to make sure you understand these two or three parts. I want to make sure you get what this thing means. And so I explain it to her, and she says, well, I, I get it. Is that bad? I said, no, it's not bad. I just <laughs> want to make sure you understand it. Um, and so I, I really was was proud to be able to do that. She entered into the contract, and it'll be great. Cam Cox, everybody, great conversation. We appreciate it. Thank you all. I always appreciate being able to come on here. Again, NIL is the number one thing. I'd like to see everybody get involved. We can be the absolute best. It's going to be a year of ILL, NIL. <laughs> A little bit. There's going to be a little bit of it. That'll be a backup cheer, right? Uh, maybe it'll be a forward and backup yes, cheer. Right. Let's get some wins. 10:01. That's hour number one of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk, thanks to Cam Cox. Speaking of tickets, as Cam mentioned, we're going to talk about uh, football and basketball tickets with uh, Jason Hegemeyer coming up in hour number two. Stay with us. We're back after this. My name is Denise Martin. I'm a diehard Illini fan and admittedly love the Cubs. When it comes to financial planning, most financial companies ask, what's your salary? At Kirby Wealth Management Group, we ask, what's your story? We know building the right financial plan means looking at more than money. That's why we start by asking the right questions, listening to what matters most to you, then guiding you every step of the way to help you live the life you want now and years from now. Call us today at 217-355-9390. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Hour number two of the Line Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We're with you until 11 o'clock. Pretty active uh, first hour there. Adam Rittenberg from ESPN.com joins us for about 20 minutes, and we just wrapped up about a 30-minute conversation with Cam Cox. Happy to welcome in our longtime friend, uh, Jason Hegemeyer, who handles tickets for University of Illinois athletic events. How you doing, Jason? I'm doing really good. You were just talking about, uh, during the break there, about how all of a sudden the summer is getting away from us. We're five weeks out from that first game. Yeah, and you know, it, it's it's weird. At home, it doesn't feel like summer's getting ready to end, but at work, it sure does feel like it, because we're really starting to heat up and, and start to get prepared for uh, week zero coming up. And you mentioned your kids are getting ready to go back to school, and yeah, I mean, they've had a great summer doing all kinds of things, but um, I see. I think they see that impending date uh, coming slowly ahead. Uh, they got a few more weeks here before they go back to school, but uh, we'll make the best of it these last couple weeks. So tickets are on sale now. You can buy single-game tickets or any kind of ticket package you want, right? Yeah, we've been on sale for football, actually, since February, doing season tickets, renewals. Yeah. Single games went on sale in, the late, in the mid to late June. Um, so everything we have right now is out there and available. Our crowd historically will buy single game tickets uh, during the month of August. So, um, you know, we're preparing for a, a busy month and a, a busy few months as the football season approaches. You got some idea what the uh, season ticket sales are going to be? I mean, for the for the full schedule? 
I'll tell you this. Season ticket sales right now are up a little bit. Mm-hmm. So last year, um, particularly if, you, if people were paying attention, the students really showed out last year. And student sales were the highest season ticket sales they'd been since 2012. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of factors around that. But, um, you know, I'd like to think a lot of that is people uh, are seeing the direction the program is going. So they're seeing that there's a renewed sense of optimism there. Um, and those sales are actually up, again, ahead of pace from last year. So not only did, you know, did we sell the most that we had since 2012, but that pace is up. So let's hope that continues because it shows that there's, there's some energy within that student fan base. And our actual season ticket sales right now are up as well. So, um, again, you, know, we talk, you, you, know, you had talked about, like, well, what's that going to look like you know, every game? You know, I started off earlier saying our crowd buys late. Our, our single-game buyers, they're going to buy late. I don't know what that is yet, right? But I, I, I know that uh, I'm hoping and expecting a lot of them do buy uh, late, and there's plenty of opportunities for people to get involved um, for the opener for week zero. We're offering a four-pack, four for $59, right? So we're really hoping that we can get people to come out uh, to see us in week zero versus Wyoming, um, sort of you know, show them what we're going to be capable of, and hopefully that steamrolls through the rest of the year. We have some pretty good home, we have a pretty good home schedule. So, uh, What's the horseshoe go for? If I, if I just want to go to a game and, and I uh, buy a horseshoe ticket, what would that be? Well, it would range like if you were just coming for a single game, for but for single games it could range from like twenty to fifty five, right? And so, um, it just depends on what game it is. Okay, Lauren. I mean, there's what about the, a season ticket for a horseshoe? Well, I would tell you the the best value price we have right now is we we have a, it's called a um, an iFund four pack. You get four season tickets. It includes a hundred dollar gift to the iFund, and this is for three hundred ninety nine dollars. So you know you can get four season tickets, be an iFund member. Um, and right now, I think those seats are in the East Balcony. But if you look at the value of that, that's that's pretty incredible. So there's that East Balcony. Yeah, that's in the in the bottom of the East Balcony up there in mm-hmm. Tool One. But um, you know, and of course, we have we have all kinds of different options for people depending on where they want to sit and how much money they want to spend. It's it's very affordable. Um, but I think the biggest thing is, is is people need to look. They need to feel like, hey, these are events that. You know, I don't want to miss. This is a, a community event. Everyone's going to be there. And uh, I do think the team's getting better, right? I, I really do. And so, you know, w- when we get this thing rolling and we start showing people on the field, uh, it is, we're, we're going to generate a little bit more enthusiasm, a little bit more activity, and these crowds are going to grow. A couple of 10 win seasons would, <laughs> might oh, change the buying yeah. power Let's of do it. the buying we'll strategy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, you mean, I got, since you bring that up, I, got, I picked this up this morning on Twitter. Uh, how, Must be true then. How many years has it been since certain teams have won nine games in a season? Vanderbilt won nine games in 1915. <laughs> That's the last time. Indiana won fi- uh, nine games in 1967. I remember that. Uh, Johnny Pont, wasn't it? Went to the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Illinois, Kansas, and Tennessee have been 14 years. Like 2007. That's all I got. <laughs> but uh, when I look around the, the, the conference, I see, and I'm sure you see this, that Iowa's selling out some games, Wisconsin's selling out some games. I mean, they're going to – they might – I think Iowa's within 1,000 of selling out for the whole season. Yeah, I mean, you look at those programs, and they have, they have a long history Speaking of success of 10 and seasons, tradition. Right? Yeah, and, I, you know, and their season ticket bases are really, really high, and that's the goal here. It's always been the goal here. Um, everything has to hit, and, and uh, we need to start to grow and, and get our local fans back and involved again. Um, so, you know, it's, 
it's something that we would aspire to. But look, we compete with those schools every week. I mean, you're you're kidding yourselves if you don't think that we don't notice that and that we don't aspire to that. Um, we want to beat those schools, and so um, you know that's a that's a goal of ours to to have crowds like that. Here's a question on our text line: Is there a way that a prospective buyer can go online and see what tickets are still available? Oh, of course. I mean, if you go to uh, our website and you go to buy tickets, you can click on the game that you're that you're looking for, and it'll it'll show you it'll let you pick out the exact seat uh, that that you want to purchase. So, yep, that's that's all available right there in FightingLiner.com. As far as the game day experience, anything uh, different uh, this year? I know they're rolling out a few things. I don't know that they're ready to make all those announcements yet, but I know that we're constantly working to improve that and to make things a little bit more exciting. I think one of the things that I know that I've gotten from from Coach Bielma that I've kind of just seen happen over the last year is one of the things we're always talking about it uh, uh, when we meet is hey, let's not talk about what we've always done. Let's talk about what we're going to do differently. Let's talk about what we can do new to add to the slate of things that we're doing because we can't keep doing the same old thing and expecting different results, right? So uh, we're constantly trying to find new ways to, to create new traditions, create some excitement. And so I know that our game day crew is planning on some of those things, and um, I think that people will receive it pretty well once they find out we, what they are. We spend all our time talking about TV money, TV mm-hmm. money, and, and uh, I wonder – once uh, a longtime fan stops buying season tickets and starts watching games at home on TV, how difficult is it to get them to come back? It's really hard. And you asked, it's a, it's a great question, right? We don't spend any time at work talking about TV money because, you know, like, obviously, it's our goal to get people into the event, right? So we can't r- really worry about, we can't use that as an excuse. But I would tell you, um, it's not just about being able to watch it on TV. Um, it's about a habit. It's about a routine. It's about tradition, right? Mm-hmm. So when people, when people buy season tickets, you're talking about spending seven Saturdays in the fall that are on your schedule, and you do that same thing uh, the entire fall. How many people do you know right now that you could walk up to and say, um, hey, I'd like to get you on the books for seven Saturdays this fall? It's hard, right? So not only do, do, do you have to make sure that that person has to have some kind of interest and in, 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 in carving out that time to be there for Illinois football, right? And so what makes them do that? What makes them want to do that? If we had that golden answer, we, you know, look, we wouldn't be where we're at today. But there's, we're trying lots of different things. And as the team gets better, that obviously helps because it creates an environment that people want to be at. It creates the, the event that everyone wants to gather. People want to be around people. They want to be around crowds. How much did the pandemic hurt in that regard? I think it hurt us a little bit, but not as much. I mean, we were, we were already fighting that uphill battle, um, but it, it did hurt us a little bit because there might have been some people that dropped out of the program. Or that, like, and it's not that they dropped out and said, I'm not going to buy season tickets anymore. It's that they found other things to do in their life. Yeah, you find right? other things. That's yeah. right. And, and then so then, you know, and of course, people go through different seasons in life. You know, like my, my kids, my kids are a little bit older now, but when they were younger and they were involved in a lot of activities, you know, there's a lot of conflicts on Saturdays. So, you know, it's, it's, it's never, it's, this is the way it is. It's, it's, it's not going to change. Right. And we got to keep finding ways uh, to make our games fun and exciting. And of course that goes along with winning. And so once we, you know, put all that together, I do believe people make it a priority and come back. Cause I said earlier, people want to be around crowds. They want to be around these fun events and they'll, 
they'll make that a priority. And the so problem we, we've is, got our work cut out for us. The problem is it's not a funny event if you go and you keep and you lose and you lose and you lose. If you're leaving there unhappy, we, you know, that's that we, makes it harder. In order to sell season tickets, we need people to be excited about Illinois, not about big game matchups. We need people to be excited about Illinois football and associating with Illinois football. We need fans that identify that way, right? And how do we get that? Well, I mean, of course, people grow up here and they grow up locally. They're, they're fans, right? But we need to convert them from just saying, I'm going to show up when you play somebody big. We need to convert them when, to say, I want to go because my team's playing on Saturday and it's a part of my life and it's, it's, it's fun and everyone's going to be there and I want to be there with them. Talking tickets at the U of I with Jason Hegemeyer. We'll continue. We'll talk some basketball ticket issues as well. You're free to join us, 217-356-9397. We'll take a break and be back with more. Stay with us. Welcome back to the program, heading towards 11 o'clock on Illini Bella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. Jason Hegemeyer is with us here in the uh, studio. A couple of uh, questions coming in via the text line, which is open at 217-351-5357. Are season ticket holders still offered the choice of printed as opposed to all digital tickets? How's that uh, shaping up? Yeah, great question. So we are still offering that choice that people can ask for their tickets to be printed. We, we are starting to char- have a little upcharge on that now because um, there is a little bit more cost involved on, on our end. Um, I would say in the next couple of years that we're going to be looking to, to phase towards all mobile. So, you know, for, for people that are out there that – um, are still choosing to get your tickets printed, you, you can still do that this year. Um, but we re- you really should start thinking about, you know, what, what is mobile, what are the, the things that make mobile a little bit easier for me and uh, maybe start learning how to do it because it's coming. It's not going to, we're not going to be doing printed tickets forever. So um, we'll start to phase that out over the next couple of years. Uh, but for this year, yes, we are still offering that option. Let's switch to basketball. Okay. How are the sales going? Yeah, those are going really well too, and and one of the things that uh, that we talk about in the office, we were we were just looking at this yesterday because our renewal deadline was yesterday, and uh, you know of course we had a lot we have a lot of new people on board this year, um, but we had a lot of new buyers for last year that were still out there chasing, and so for if th- those people are listening, we still want you to renew. You still have time. You can still get with us over the next couple of days. You can renew those tickets. Um, we're in a little bit different spot there. Like last year, um, you know we uh, we we set the revenue record for the most ticket revenue we've ever made in, in mm-hmm. men's basketball. And uh, that was really cool. And so when we're looking at uh, how we project this year, it's like, it's like we're, um, we're chasing a record, right? Like we're you know, like, it doesn't, well, I was what looking have you at, done for me lately? Yeah. I, I was looking at, you <laughs> know, like, so how does our renewal rate compare to last year? It's yeah. like, man, is that an appropriate comparison? Because <laughs> I don't know, like, uh, um, you know, you're comparing something again, like the bulls, you know, when they win, like, what, like 70 games the next year, they're not like, do you win 71? Do you win 72? Well, I don't how many know. sellouts did you have last year? Oh, Full I, you put me on the spot here. I mean, I, I want to say we had at least like seven or eight of them last mm-hmm. year towards the end of the year. And, uh, um, you know, it was like things were really steamrolling as the season went on and the tickets got a lot, lot more valued and a lot more in demand, obviously. And of course, you're competing for a championship. And so every game mattered. And um, and no one knew whether it was the last time they're gonna be able to see some of those players like like Kofi. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, lots of people came out at the end of the year, um, and I think you know this year it's up to us. You know, we really need to start. We have a lot, a very talented team, 
um, we got to start, you know, letting people get to know him a little bit, right? Because this roster has really changed over a lot, and it may, it may, who knows? It may be more talented, um, but that doesn't mean people know who they are yet, right? So, um, we, those of us around it, around it, we're very conscious of this. We talk about this a lot in the office. We all know who these guys are. If you pay attention to sports, you know who these guys are. But there's a lot of ticket buyers that don't read message boards, that don't read, you know, Twitter constantly. We need to make sure we're starting to get get these guys introduced to them, so they know that we got a legit team full of talented guys coming this year. Does your office have anything to do with the ticket sales of the two games played in Vegas? We'll participate in it, right? So we what we do is we create opportunities for our fans and our donors in order to be able to buy tickets for those games. So and they sit together and you have yeah, a section. It, it, they will, and and so what we did as soon as that was announced, and this is months ago, right? I don't think anything. I think what we found out the other day was who we're playing and when mm-hmm. in that first matchup. But we knew we were going to Vegas a while ago. Knew you're going to play good teams too. Well, yeah, we knew who the four teams were. And we'd already arranged with that arena in Vegas. We we were able to get a promo code for seats in our section, and we put that out to our donors already. If you look on that map, our corner of the arena is already sold out. Is so it? it is. I mean, so our fans and our donors have been able to buy seats uh, for that tournament in Vegas for a long time. We just got That's the That's a Friday-Sunday thing. It's a Friday-Sunday, yeah. yeah. And we, and we just got the news about the game in New York, right? We found out about that with everybody else. And so we're working to get that one on sale. That one's not on sale yet. But as soon as we have it ready, we'll put that offer out to all of our season ticket holders and donors. That's kind of funny because we've known that for a while, but it wasn't officially announced until just a week ago. Which one? The uh, the matchup against Texas? Yes. And yeah. The JV yeah, Classic, I, yeah. Yeah, and, and since it wasn't, I mean, I, we had heard about it, right? I mean, we had heard and... Uh, but until it's officially announced, I mean that event is actually not on sale yet. So, um, so it's so for us, you know, we laugh about it. This happens all the time. Like we make announcements about events where you can't really buy tickets yet. Right? <laughs> right. So, so everybody's calling our office wanting to buy for it. But we'll have that information available as soon as we identify it. And the basketball schedule has not uh, been officially released yet. We we got a pretty good idea, but uh, yeah. as far as planning purposes, this is tough. Yeah, I mean, we, we really, uh, I think we have a, a good idea of what that skeleton looks like. We we know who our opponents are going to be, but we don't know what dates. Um, of course, that's, the dates of our home games are pretty important to our season ticket holders. You don't know buyers. those two uh, December dates with Big Ten, do you? Those early December games? Uh, we don't. No. We don't know that yet. And uh, That'd be one know, game home and one game on the road, probably. Yeah, and, you know, and we know that our fans love the, after, the weekend afternoon games, and so... We're always uh, anticipating when we get that schedule. Just that we always like to map that out and see like what, how many games we get on each day, and because we know, regardless of opponent, we know which certain time slots are going to work for us. And so, um, then we get to work with all of our pricing. So well, it's, I know what I want to ask you is uh, you've got some uh, odd times for um, football, including a Thursday game, if I'm not, yeah. and and you got a couple of night games. Is that right? We do. And, you know, you asked that question earlier, Lauren, about like, hey, um, people get out of the habit, right? I mean, people get out of the habit. This is just another thing that that uh, in terms of live events that we're battling, you know, like when you, you know, when you realize the um, obviously you want to be on television, you want to play in front of as many eyeballs as you can. um, But it does lead to some more non-traditional times uh, where you're you're you might be needing people to come to an event. Right. And so a Thursday night, that'll be against Chattanooga. That'll be. That'll be a little bit challenging, but we're, we're going to work on some things to get more student involvement, and um, you know, I, we'll, we'll, we'll come up with stuff to combat that. Talking to Jason Hegemeyer, we do have the phone lines open. Let's go to Alan in Champaign. Go ahead, Alan. 
Good after good morning, gentlemen. You were bringing up the subject of printed tickets, so I wanted to get my two cents in here that uh, I've been a season ticket holder for more than 50 years, and before COVID had hit, I had never missed a home game. But um, I don't have a smartphone. I have no intention of getting a smartphone. So if you ever go to the option of not having printed tickets, you're going to lose a person coming to your games. <laughs> yeah, I mean, great point. And we've, we've, we've talked to people about that. I mean, look, this is kind of the way um, live events are moving. We're not there yet, right? And, and uh, you know, we, we, we said that earlier that we're still offering these options right now. And there's not a definitive timetable on this. But this is the way that all ticketed events are starting to go. It's getting more and more challenging to find places that, that are going to offer printed tickets moving forward. And so, you know, um, I think we're conscious of it. And, you know, while while it may sound like a all or nothing type thing that we're saying, I don't ever believe it's actually going to get to that. Um, I, you know, I still think there will be scenarios by which someone can come to the box office and ask for something to get printed. Um, I just don't think it'll be something that'll be offered as a standard um, every single time that somebody buys. You'll um, always be able to go to games, Alan. Yeah, <laughs> always. I mean, uh, we're, we're not in a position where we don't we're not we're going to eliminate people from being able to come to our games. That's that's not who we are. Um, but I just think it's the way that that um, we go about buying tickets and, and making those options available. Those 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 different ways and distribution methods might be a little bit different moving forward. But I don't think we're ever going to get to a point where we're going to say, hey, you can't come to the game because you don't have a smartphone. That's just not going to happen. That's uh, good to hear. I just wanted to let you know that there are still some of us out there. <laughs> and thank you for your response. Yep, Alan, thanks for the call. Along those lines, there's a text if you go to an all-mobile ticket, uh, they say you need to get people into the stadium faster. He, this person says there's always been some issues with mobile tickets uh, in the process of getting in. I can't say because I don't go in that way. Well, that caller is right. I mean, I guess it depends on the situation, right? Like, I mean, you're, you're relying on technology at that point, And, uh, you know, stadiums have to really start upgrading all, all of the technology that comes around it. So whether that be, like, the data or the Wi-Fi service that's available – uh, at all of the gates. I mean, I mean, you think about it. Um, it doesn't slow down the line at the airport. I mean, other, like when I just flew last week, and pretty much like ninety to ninety-five percent of people were, were not. We were using mobile boarding yeah. passes, mm-hmm. right? So um, I think it, it, it. People have to get used to it, and they have to get used to to to, to this being uh, a standard. And once they do that, then all the things that we do at the airport, like save it into our wallet, pull it up in advance. Like we all don't want to be the reason why we're creating a backup behind us, but it doesn't happen at sporting events. We just roll up to the gate and we flip up our phone and we try to find the stuff while we're waiting in line. So as people start to get more comfortable and start to use this technology, it, it will get faster and it will get better. And look, and we need to get better at it too. I mean, like just our gate operators scanning on, on the phone, they're, they're starting to see more and more of it now too. And so they're, they're getting more trained, and um, and so I, I do think it's going to become better, and it'll be. And for those that are using mobile tickets, who, you know, hey, uh, you come home, you come home after work, maybe you know the rest of your family is doing something else, and you're going to meet at the game. For those type of people, they have found real value in being able to transfer their tickets to somebody else, not having to catch up with someone to give a parking pass to somebody. With it all being digital, there's just a lot of convenience that comes along with it. So um, it, 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 while there are some kinks that are always being worked out on this, there's a lot of benefits to doing it. That was one of our text questions. Um, 
how do you transfer the tickets to a family member to attend a game if if it's online? Yeah, it's 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 actually really simple. I mean, we we have an app that you can log into. Um, it's basically a, a accessing your own ticket account on our on your phone. And when you look at you pick a game that you have, it, it knows what games you have tickets to. You pick that game. You pick the. It knows what seats you have. You pick the seat. You hit the transfer button. Type in their cell phone, and boom, it's done. It's it's not. It's all there is to it, right? The hardest part is probably logging in and linking your account. Uh, we have people that can help with that if, if, if people don't know what their password is. I mean, if you can click the forget your password button, but if people <laughs> need help with that, they can call us. Uh, but once you once everybody that we have talked to and have, have helped get logged on and signed on to this, they are really, really seeing the benefits of being able to share their tickets with other people, not having to meet up at a certain location. And again, you know, for those of us that give our tickets to other people, it's, it's, it's done so quickly. Uh, it's, it's, it's actually really, really, really easy, and there's a lot of worth to it. You mentioned earlier that you pay attention to what goes on in other places, mm-hmm. not only in the Big Ten, but across the country as well. And I'm sure the issue that uh, we were talking about uh, earlier about people watching the game from the parking lot being right outside the stadium is not uh, unique to here. But no. uh, the question is, have you, have you talked to any other places on how do you get those people into the stadium short of it already being sold out because it's not that way here. It may be in Iowa, but... So look, I mean, there's there's two factors to that. One, it's awesome that we have the kind of tailgating environment where people want to come out and that that's something that they want to and do. And spend right? the day. Hey, <laughs> right? They're, they're already coming towards you know our facilities. They're already within our footprint. They're having a good time. They realize that they're having a good time at that. There's value in that. But what we need to make it compelling that, hey, we need you inside. Like it's, we want you to come in and party and tailgate and have fun because that's what we want everybody to. We want that. It's really about the whole day, but we don't want you to stay out there while the game's being played. We really want you inside um, because there, I mean, we could go through all the reasons why it's, it's better for our team. We need, we need that home home field advantage there. Um, But it's, it's about a shared experience. It's about, um, building a crowd that helps our, our kids get to play in front of a, a crowd where they're fired up. You know, Coach, I've heard him say many times that our kids played our best games last year when we had big crowds in front of us, right? So um, the event needs to be compelling. People need to come in from outside. We're working on those things to get people back inside, but there's a lot that goes into it, right? It's about the product on the field. It's about the different types of activities we offer in the stadium. It's about seats, like pricing. We're working on all that, um, but it's already we're already winning a little bit. If you're already coming out to the game right. and you're tailgating, yep. now we got to get you inside. So let's uh, take a call here as we wrap things up with uh, Jason Hegemeyer, Eric in Champaign. You're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, uh, Jason. One thing I really liked last year about basketball was the, uh, the like the non-traditional start times. So, uh, for example, that. That Purdue game you did on the the, um, the Monday, the Martin Luther King Day, I thought that was absolutely brilliant. Not only was the game great, it was one of the best I've seen in a long time, but it was like, what, 11 or 12 in the afternoon, you know, during the day, it was like national audience type stuff. So I wondered if that was something that um, is, is thought of, or is that just a TV thing? Yeah, those are things that are totally out of our control. Um, those are things that the uh, the network will actually uh, set those game times because, you know, they want, if you remember that day, I think that was the Martin Luther King holiday, right? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of right. people were off work that day already. And so the, there was the television networks were looking for content 
And, um, you know, we were playing that game. I, I, I can't remember. Was that an 11 a.m. start? It or was. It? Yeah. And, and so, like, we were a little worried about that ahead of time. Um, but I think what, what you see is when it's something like a common theme that keeps coming, right? Like, is that when there is an event that's happening and it's between two good teams and your team is in it, and you know it's going to be crowd like when you know there's going to be a lot of people there. It doesn't stop you from coming, right? Like <laughs> the game time didn't matter. People knew it was going to be a big game that they wanted to be at. That everyone was going to be there. They didn't want to. They didn't want to miss out on it, and they were there. And so, um, I'd like to be uh, for us to be able to take credit for some of those non traditional times, um, but I, I don't think we can. But I think what you're seeing is that our our fan base right now in basketball is super excited about where our program is. And they're ready to show out whenever that game is. Anything else, Eric? Well, I was going to say the, the Arizona game, too, I think was another example. That was like a, a weird 5 o'clock or something time on a Saturday. But that was also fantastic. So national TV game. So really, uh, really exciting stuff. Yeah, you got to give it up to our fans. They're, they were ready to show up and show out for all of those big events. It was awesome. Okay, thanks. Thank you, Eric. Before we let you go, so the best way for somebody who may be nervous about mobile tickets and such, the best way to find out and learn more about it and is to go to fightingillini.com. Yeah, we have a lot of content actually on our on our ticketing web pages about mobile tickets. Mm-hmm. Like just we got videos that show how to use it. Uh, we actually have, you know, just some regular web pages with text that show how to do it. We have images. It's not hard and, and, and people will figure it out if they spend the time to actually read it a little bit. Um, but you know, it's right there in findingline.com as all of our events are, right? Like, so it's it's getting close to football season. It's time. Um, season tickets are out there on sale right now. If you're if you're still on the fence about those, we got plenty of opportunities for you. So call the office at eight six six line A one or fightingline.com for season tickets. And for, if there's any individual games out there that you're looking at and you haven't bought your tickets yet, it's time to start thinking about that, right? And so you can buy those tickets on findingline.com also. And uh, we're, we're pumped up for week zero. We're getting ready. And um, we're ready to, to bring this back. Five weeks from today. Appreciate Five your weeks. time. Thanks. That's Jason Hegemeyer. We'll take a break and be back and talk some Illinois football and basketball with Scott Ritchie. After this, stay with us. We're back in a moment. 1037, Illinois Palace Saturday Sports Talk. If you've been thinking about windows and or doors for your home, the Fellow Window Store is the place to start, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. One of the things you might uh, want to check out is the Lifestyle Series of Wood Windows and Patio Doors that provide outstanding sound control and energy efficiency at an amazing value. Most styles are available with triple-pane glass, which can improve energy conservation. And uh, you can uh, personalize solutions for your home and uh, with the available products there, just uh, Think about lead time because, as you may know, if you've been trying to get uh, any kind of products these days, the, uh, these days the supply chains in uh, some areas certainly gets backed up. With the Pella Lifestyle Series, you can choose the features that fit your project's unique style, and with many colors, finishes, and grill pattern options, you'll find Lifestyle Series windows and patio doors to complement your home and your budget. Talk to the pros out there. Give them a call three five six. 6474. They're open Monday through Friday, 1001 North Country Fair Drive from 8 to 4, Saturday by appointment. Or you can check out their products online as well at PellaOfChampagne.com. 
Phone lines are still open if you'd like to join us, 217-356-9397. That's our hotline. And on the hotline this morning is Scott Ritchie, beat writer for Illinois football and basketball. Good morning, Scott. How you doing? I'm good as long as it's the hotline and not the hot seat. Nope. <laughs> we, we have a Budweiser hot seat, but uh, we haven't put you on that yet. Although, step outside, you'll get... get <laughs> Yeah, I've already been outside and decided that was enough. Yeah, you just <laughs> stay in this morning. But uh, heading out to Indianapolis uh, coming up this week for the uh, Big Ten Football Media Days, Tuesday and Wednesday. The uh, Brown brothers and uh, Quan Martin up there for uh, Illinois, along with Brett Bielma. Yeah, do you have a, when you go into something like this, have you got your little notebook uh, full of things you want to know from um, starting with the commissioner right down through the the opponents and other Big Ten uh, members? Or how do you attack it? Do you just kind of roll with the flow or what? Yeah, I'll probably jot down a few ideas, maybe a few questions, but sometimes the best stuff just comes out of a more natural conversation. Right. And, um, and depending on the setup, because I didn't go over to Indy you know, last year when they did this, um, previous you know Big Ten media days, you have a chance to you know sit around just sit around the table and talk with you know players or the coach and uh, if it's anything like basketball they'll be at a podium and that's a little tougher you know to maybe just have a, a natural conversation and not be like a Q&A interview session so we'll see how it's all set up but um, sometimes the best stuff I've written has come when I didn't have any idea before I walked in and just uh, maybe evolved naturally so fingers crossed for something good like that. How much access do you ultimately have? But let's just take with Underwood. He has a press conference from time to time. But are you able to see any practices, and are you able to see him on special occasions just with you and him? So practices, no. Now, last year there was one open practice on a Saturday before a football game that anyone can go to, fans, Mm -hmm. media alike. Um, And that was – pretty much the lone opportunity. Um, now, if I request, you know, Brad Underwood, you know, just some one-on-one, I can usually get that. You know, it just kind of depends on, you know, their schedule. And you know, during the season, it's a little tougher because, you know, they're practicing or playing basically every day. But, um, you know, the days of, you know, maybe my predecessors like, you know, Paul Klee just hanging out at Oven for an entire day um, are long, long long gone yeah i i can tell you i i miss those days i'll i'll still remember you know the first the first time i came here harry combs is still the coach and i remember bert bertine and i were the only two writers there i don't think tv was there and bert and i took a basketball down at the end of huff and shoot baskets while the team's practicing, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and you know, just kind of hang out. And then when the when the practice is over, talk. And when we uh, when we went to Chicago for the for the preseason uh, event, Harry says, "You want to fly with me?" And I says, "Sure." <laughs> I mean, it was a different world, and uh, you know, with Harv, why Harv Schmidt when he took over. I'm getting into history here, but I, it's so different. It's just stunning. I mean, stand out, show up every day at 4 o'clock for practice. They have morning practice now, but then they had 4 o'clock practice. You're there from 4 to 6, and then Harvard and I would have drinks from 6 to 7 before he had dinner. And it was just that easy. And, you know, I, I just think how, how, 
how far removed I am from the actual people now, you know, because you just, I never get to see them. You can thank social so, media for that. So there, there, there it is, Scott, uh, just a, a little. Yeah, you, you had it, you had it great. Lawrence. I did. That's the kind of access that I would, I would love to have. And just, I feel like the more that I could maybe be around the team, the more comfortable the players would be with me, the more they'd be yeah. willing to open up. I could, I could tell their stories. Yeah. And it's just, it's just not the reality. So I, I still do my best to bring you know the coverage that I think the fans you know want to read about, and I'll embrace any and all opportunities to talk to Brad Underwood, the assistant coaches, the players. Just uh, they're a little more limited these days. Well, the coaches are out uh, again these days. This weekend, uh, Peach Jam is one of the events going on. Uh, tell us what maybe uh, they're looking at. One is uh, Amani Hansberry, right? Who is seems to be a pretty high priority for uh, more than just Illinois in the class of 2023. Yeah, and that is probably changing by the hour uh, because if uh, Team Durant, which he plays for, ends up winning Peace Jam, which is on the table, he's likely going to be the MVP of the whole event, um, averaging a double-double. Um, I think through five games, it was about like 18 points and 11 rebounds per game. Uh, a few assists as well. Uh, so he is drawing more interest. You know, picked up a couple of recent offers this week from uh, West Virginia and Oregon. Now, Illinois did, you know, get him on campus. Um, I guess it's probably been about a month now uh, for an official visit. You know, they've really, you know, gone all in on his recruitment. You know, that have at least one coach, I think, you know, see him play you know, every day they've been down, you know, North Augusta. Uh, but, I think the competition is going to pick up, especially if he does wind up, you know, PGM MVP. Uh, that's that's a big thing because it's, you know, pretty high level of competition, and he's showing that he is one of, you know, the best players, you know, out of that group, which is you know a lot of top ranked guys. And I imagine his ranking, you know, is only going to jump up after this. So, you know, he's obviously priority. But you know, they Elna coaches, and you know, the first day that they were down there. All four showed up for the Mean Streets 16U game. It was Merez Johnson, James Brown, uh, Nojus Industritis, and Carlos Harris um, from Whitney Young. And I think that they've, what I've seen, they've had multiple coaches at every you know, Mean Streets 16U game. Like They don't have any 2023 commits yet, but they are all in on that 2024 class, especially you know that group for mean streets and three of which, you know, play at St. Rita, obviously. So that's, that's an interesting statement of intent. Well, I just saw that uh, James Brown had an offer from Duke this week. Yeah. Well, he's picked up just a load of high major offers in the last, you know, two, three weeks. Um, his recruitment is not slowing down at all. Obviously he's got two years, but you know, the idea of playing with, Merez, I think, still resonates for him. Uh, obviously, they play at St. Rita together, play at Mean Streets together. You know, they went to the uh, FIBA U-17 training camp for Team USA you know, a few weeks ago together. Um, so that's that's a pitch only I can still make. And I think you know, locking James Brown down, though, it's not going to come soon, I wouldn't imagine. And you know, it's going to come with all of the top teams in the country are recruiting him. Do you expect Hansberry to make a decision soon? I mean, I would have thought before Peach Jam that 
he would have been you know closer to it because he I think he's taken at least three if not four of his officials so there's just limited chances but you know with these new offers coming in and I can only imagine more to come that might you know might push that back a little bit I think the last I saw he was like an, an early September decision was like his plan yeah. just before his senior season. But I don't know. I mean, recruitment can be tricky like that. And Illinois has done everything right, but he just keeps playing really good basketball and other programs are finding that out. Well, we just had Cam Cox in here, uh, and I, I'm wondering uh, what the NIL situation would be for Hansberry. Now, you're not supposed to be able to induce – but obviously, some schools are going to let him know what they can do, and I imagine Illinois will let him know what they did for Kofi, for instance. Not that he's Kofi, but I mean, they're going to they're going to present that because Kofi was their big item uh, in uh, NIL last year. We don't know how much it was, but Cam says it was considerable. And uh, do you do you see uh, does does Underwood uh, recognize NIL as as essential to the to the recruitment? Yeah, and I, it just is, and it might not be what you know coaches are thrilled about, but it's the the reality of the situation now. And you know, Underwood's talked about nil. I mean, like that it's not the only piece of recruiting, um, and if it is the only piece, like that's he's not maybe thrilled about that prospect, but it is part of it. And you know, they have you know, an example they can use with Kofi, and then. You know, some of the guys on the current team as well. You know, Sky Clark's got a couple deals. Um, Dane Danger, in fact, also signed with Rock Nation with an NIL deal like Sky Clark did. So there's other examples that Illinois can use, and that's probably better where they can, instead of just like, okay, we got one guy, you know, our All-American, you know, you know, really good deal. They can say, well, you don't have to be an All-American right away, and there's still opportunities. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's go to this team, uh, the, the Illini team that's, uh, that you'll be covering this this winter. Um, I'm hearing the Sky Clark is still not quite a hundred percent. What are you hearing on him? He's he's going to be the point guard apparently, and and uh, is he going to be uh, ready for the season? Well, the season's still a few months out now, and I would project that he'd be ill, fully healthy and and ready at that point now. Just because he's healthy doesn't mean he's the same athlete he was a year ago before he tore you know, his ACL, and you know, sometimes that happens. But I think you know the work with Adam Fletcher and then like just all of his technology and you know just everything he does you know in in that space, along with you know Paul Schmidt, you know, the athletic trainer. I mean, they'll have him on the right path, and it's just a matter of how his body responds and. Well, I understand. Like, I think you know they're optimistic, you know, about you know his his knee and his health. So it's just a matter of getting you know to the season and seeing you know what that means for him on the court. Because if he's back to what he was before the injury, that was a top ten player, you know, in this twenty twenty two class. I mean, that would be significant for Illinois. Um, and if even if he's not, he's still like a top fifty player, you know, in the class and. There's nothing to, to sneeze at either, so it's just we won't know, and I won't honestly, you know, have a, a real firm opinion until I see it in person. Like I, you can hear it, everything you want, you know, people talking about him, but until I see Sky Clark, I'll, you know, withhold judgment to, about maybe what his first season in Illinois might be. 
Another couple of minutes with Scott Ritchie talking Illinois basketball. We've got about a week left in July, which ought to be about the time we start seeing that. Uh, we know a lot about the schedule, but we haven't seen the final schedule, and that should be coming before too long, huh? Yeah, I've, from what I understand, you know, it could be really soon. And I mean, with the 20 Big Ten games and then all the other, you know, you know the multi-team events in Vegas and Big Ten ACC Challenge, back and rights, there's not that many games that they actually have to schedule each year. So um, I would anticipate that coming hopefully soon. Just so, I mean, I just want to know. Like, I just would like to know the, the, the teams that they'll play just because that stuff interests me. And um, But, you know, I'll try and be as patient as I can. <laughs> as will Illinois fans Scott Ritchie we appreciate your time my friend thanks and uh, stay cool over the weekend alright I will thanks guys Scott will be on uh, with us on Monday night here on Monday Night Sports Talk the second hour at uh, 5 o'clock it's 10.52 a break now and back with some final words on this edition of the show after this stay with us Mike Mary and his team at the Pella Window and Door Store want to thank you for what's been an incredible year so far. Looking for the right window and door for your next project from replacement, remodeling, or new construction? Go see them now. If you got a project later this year or into 2022, now is the time to start the conversation. The Pella Window and Door Store, easy to find, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign, or visit them online PellaofChampagne.com. We got about three minutes left. If you've been waiting to get in, you got time now. If you dial right this minute, 217 356 9397 is the phone number. Lawrence, so you told me during the break that we were talking a little bit of golf during the break. So you thought you might. Uh, might be standing the chance of being arrested for impersonating a golfer. <laughs> That's exactly right. Is that what you I were didn't saying? put it that way. I like that, Steve. <laughs> I should definitely be arrested for impersonating a golfer. Yes. Well, at least you're out there <laughs> trying to impersonate a golfer. <laughs> trying to. Oh my. Well, plus it's been a little warm too. You're yeah, out there playing in the I heat of the day. That. But it's good to get back out. I'll be out there in the morning <laughs> impersonating a golfer. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. <laughs> Baseball scores uh, from last night, if you missed them, there are some interesting scores. One included a 28. <laughs> that was uh, Toronto and Boston. 28-5 to was the uh, score in that ball game. Cardinals lost to the Reds. The Cubs beat the Phillies, and the White Sox lost to Cleveland. And Marty, got a couple of minutes left. Go ahead. What's up? I know. It's got to be quick. Hey, uh, number one. I kind of agree with Warren. I don't think I'd go after Soto, but I might go after Otani. Wouldn't cost quite as much and give you a pitcher and a bat. Um, <laughs> here's my question for the two of you. There's only one team in baseball that Adam Wainwright has a losing record against if he has more than one start against him. Cincinnati? Cincinnati Reds. Yeah. And here's my question. Why in the Dickens, when you – can set your whole rotation, do you start him at Cincinnati where his record's even worse? Instead of starting him in the first game against Toronto, uh, who hasn't seen that curveball much, uh, why are you starting him at Cincinnati when you guys know, if I know it, I know the manager and the pitching coach know it. And it just frustrated me to no end to see that last night. Yeah, I wasn't crazy about uh, 
that pitching matchup uh, as well. And I, I I don't have the answer to your question, but uh, sure would make sense to do it the, as you described. Watch, you don't have the answer to my question. Yeah, because you could start Matt, who was supposed to start the rain out, and Matt's, although true, we don't know what he's going to be coming back, Matt's pitched very well in Toronto and very well in that stadium. And he could have started last night and started the, the second game in Toronto. So I'm, I'm just confused, guys. I'm, I'm a simple man, but I'm confused. You've heard of Monday morning quarterbacking. This is Saturday morning quarterbacking. Well, I think yeah. you, you make a good point. Well, I, I, yeah, I, I, I would uh, make arrangements to do exactly what you said. He, Matt's is familiar with Toronto and uh, – Wainwright's unfamiliar with Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or too familiar. I don't know what you do. Hey, Marty, that music means we're out of Thank time. You, guys, I hear the music. Yeah, Bye-bye. yeah, appreciate the call. As we move up towards eleven o'clock, WDWS ninety-three nine FM, Champaign Urbana. This edition of the Lanai Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Thanks to Adam Rittenberg, Cam Cox, Jason Hegemeyer. And Scott Ritchie for joining us. And thanks for all the texts and phone calls we had on the show. Mr. Tate, hit him straight. Try not to get arrested tomorrow. <laughs> all right. See you later. Thanks to Dave Leak, our producer. And this is Steve Kelly. Thank you for listening. And we'll talk to you again soon right here on DWS. Have a good weekend.